0: <laughs> I, I remember when, uh, whenever I first visited Kansas City and uh, I was going to meet with Dwayne Roberts. And uh, I had tried every way I could to get a meeting with Mike, and nothing was working. I had guys sending Mike emails. There's this guy coming, and nothing worked. And uh, I'm, so I'm there meeting with Dwayne Roberts, and here comes Mike, comes wa- walking in the coffee shop. And, uh, and he just, as he said, he, he I, I thought for sure, Mike would be the one guy encouraging me when I told him that I wanted to build a house of prayer in Atlanta. And he was the loudest voice trying to discourage me. He said, don't do that under any circumstance. Why would you want to do such a thing? And I said, I, I thought you'd be the one guy to encourage me. He goes, no, not at all. And he, he's a little cranky. He's kind of one of those days and, um, hadn't had his coffee yet, I think, but, um, So we we, he ends up taking me back to his office and and I remember sharing this and 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 I shared with him I said you know Atlanta is the gate city of the South and I really believe the Lord His name over Atlanta is King of Glory and and He's given us Psalm twenty four verse seven that lift up your heads O you gates and be lifted up your ancient doors and the King of Glory shall come in and I really believe the Lord wants us to open the gates in the city of Atlanta that the Lord would then t- descend and, and fire and release revival in the city of Atlanta, and that the, the, the revival there would affect the entire southeast because it's the gate city of the south, and then that that if you take the southeast, you're going to touch the nation. If you're going to touch the nation, you're going to touch the nations of the earth. And I really believe that's what the Lord wants to do through us in the House of Prayer in Atlanta. I shared that with Mike, and, then, and as I said it, I thought, you know, who, who am I trying to tell him what the prayer movement is going to do? And it, I just felt so like small all of a sudden and I just said, uh, I know that probably sounds a little presumptuous but uh, I feel like that's what the Lord's put in our heart and he goes, well, I don't know he goes, some dorky little guy's gonna do it it might as well be you and I just there's something about that moment that it encouraged me and challenged me at the same time it's like, did you just call me a dork? because you don't call me that (laughs) Next thing you're going to say, I'm short, but that, that something happened where the Lord just set it all up for, for he and I to be connect, and then the next day, uh, Mary Beth and I met with him again, and, and met with him and Misty, and, and we just talked for several hours, and then we moved to Kansas City, and, and it's been an amazing journey, and, and it's, the rest is history. And so here we are now, celebrating five years of 24-hour prayer, and it's by the grace of the Lord, by the favor of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh. Okay. Well, I have a word that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart for tonight. And so I want to share that with you. And then we'll have a little ministry time and then we'll, then we'll go home. But uh, let's have a word of prayer and uh, and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and bring clarity. So, Lord, we, we love you so much. And I am so grateful. And I really am speechless, Lord. I don't know what to say. I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, this whole week, I pray, speak to us through your word. Speak to us through Will and Lou and Alan and Dave. Speak to us with clarity. And Lord, come tonight, Holy Spirit, release the spirit of revelation on us. Help me to speak as an oracle. And help us to find ourselves again, signing up again for what it is that you're doing in the earth as it relates to night and day prayer. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Okay, let's turn over to Isaiah chapter twenty four last weekend, uh, the Lord just began to illuminate isaiah twenty four through twenty seven to me and uh, it's a four chapters that I really like it's a it's an interesting little segment of the book of Isaiah. Scholars call it the mini apocalypse because chapter twenty four through chapter twenty seven, it takes us from uh, the day of the Lord, the beginning of the day of the Lord, all the way through uh, Satan's destruction in the lake of fire and into the millennial kingdom. And, and it's just compact. And so you get this, this feeling like Isaiah is taken into these visions of how the last three and a half years is uh, going to play out, and it's just this compact thing. He actually sees uh, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb in these three chapters, and he depicts it and explains what it's going to be like when the eternal father actually prepares the feast uh, for the bride. And so it, it's a amazing. <laughs> it is an amazing set of chapters. That you should really take some time on, some time, and just, just read them over and over and over. And uh, they're they're a unit together. Chapter twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, and twenty seven. It's it's a unit together. And so uh, the Lord began to highlight these to me uh, last weekend, and and I and I have just kind of stayed in them all week. And I really feel like uh, it's for tonight. Uh, to, to, I just want to share just the headlines on this and allow this to, to minister to our hearts. Here's the thing you've got to understand about the house of prayer. The house of prayer, night and day prayer, is a greenhouse for forerunners. It's a greenhouse for forerunners. And what that means is this. If you take a weak person, which that's all of us, you put them in the environment of continuous worship and prayer, you put the Bible in front of them, the Lord will use those ingredients together to cause their hearts to grow in the knowledge of God in a way that's unusual. And I've seen 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, brand new in the Lord, come and sit in the house of prayer, sit through some classes and, and get the Word in front of them, and in a very short period of time, they have a command of the scriptures like uh, that rivals most pastors. Like, and I'm not exaggerating at all. And my experience when I first moved to Kansas City was I had been in ministry for um, let's see, I had been in ministry full time for nine years, um, thirteen, including the lay time, and um, and I was a 33 year old. And I, they, they put me in some uh, backroom kind of uh, eschatology study groups with Mike and several of the other key thinkers, Corey Russell, and several of the other key thinkers in Kansas City. So here I am, and I'm, I'm looking around the room, and these, most of the folks in the room are about uh, 8 to 10 years younger than me. And, and so I'm feeling like I probably have a little something to say. And as they begin to unpack the Word and talk through the Scriptures, all of a sudden I begin to realize I need to keep my mouth shut because I've got nothing to say, and these folks actually know God, and I don't. I've got 50 Scriptures, and they've got the Bible, and I've got one prayer, fire. That's it. I remember the first time I went to pray on the prayer mic, I, I, I thought, man, I'm about to blow this place up. All these stoic, mystics sitting there, contemplative prayer. I'm about to light this place up. I, I walked up the prayer mic. Misty's up there, chorus leading. Isaiah 64, 1 and 2. Oh, Lord, that you'd rend the heavens, that you'd come down as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil. And I began to pray. Lord, I'm asking, rend the heavens and come down. Release fire. And fire, more fiery, open heaven-y stuff, God. And burn things up with power and anointing and boiling water. Here's a hint. When the chorus leader just begins to sing, kingdom come, thy will be done, it means they did not get a thing you just prayed. And I was ashamed. I was in shock. I'd been preaching at conferences. I'd been doing all this stuff. Been in the ministry for years. I had no language because I had no revelation. Because I hadn't been in the Word. I'd just been to meetings. Just been to meetings. Hadn't been before the Lord. I mean, I had prayer meetings, some. But I really hadn't taken the time and done the work to allow the Word of God to dwell in me richly. And for it to, to bubble up uh, with, with life-giving, you know, authority. And so when I got around these 25-year-olds, all of a sudden I realized, man, I am shallow. I'm a mile wide and an inch deep. And what I realized was they had had a head start on me. Though they had been saved less time than I'd been in the ministry. I met, When I met Corey Russell, he's 26 years old. And the guy knew more of the word than anybody I'd met and, uh, you know, he'd only been saved four years or something like that. Five years, I guess. And, uh, and he knew so much more than I do. Not just head knowledge, not just spouting verses, but heart revelation on the knowledge of God. He would preach, and I'd sit there and listen to him, and, and I'd go, bro, you lost me after the first five minutes. I have no idea what you said. Everybody else did. I just didn't. And it was because they had the head start of being in the greenhouse, And the house of prayer is a greenhouse to grow forerunners. And forerunners are not just people that have a depth in the knowledge of God, but forerunners are called to prepare the way of the Lord. And that happens in two ways. Number one, forerunners prepare the bride for the Lord's coming. Is coming in judgment and is coming in revival. And forerunners prepare the earth for the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming in judgment and in revival. And so the forerunner ministry is something that I got very educated on in a very short period of time. And I realized that the Lord had been moving in my life and, and calling me to be a forerunner. One that would grow in the knowledge of God unto a preparatory ministry. Uh, for the Lord's coming, for moving in the spirit of revival and for moving in in, in judgment in the earth. Here's what you got to know about the house of prayer. The house of prayer is a greenhouse for growing forerunners. There is a revival aspect of it, for sure, and there is a judgment aspect of it, for sure. And both of those things together... And with right proclamation, with right hearts that are are broken in meekness, but both of those things together constitute the majority of the proclamations of the forerunner ministry. The knowledge of God and what He's going to do in the move of the Spirit and what He's going to do in releasing judgment unto the return of the Lord. And so I'm saying it very quickly, but you've got to know that the house of prayer exists. One of the key reasons is to grow forerunners. It's a greenhouse for them. Now, if you have a desire to be around the house of prayer, it's likely God wants you to be a forerunner. forerunner doesn't mean you're great, special, better than anybody else. It just means that he's calling you into a preparatory ministry. Just like he called John the Baptist into a preparatory ministry where he was trying to prepare the the nation of Israel to receive Messiah. And they came to him for a baptism of repentance so they could receive the word of the Lord. So, With that in mind, that's why in Isaiah 24, 25, 26, and 27 is an essential uh, grouping of chapters for you to get your mind around because this specifically zeroes in on the end of the age, the return of the Lord, and the age to come. Now, I want to walk you through this, and I want to show you something I'd never seen before in these verses. Now, let's look at uh, verse 1 through 6. Let's just read them. This is tomorrow's headlines. I love reading prophets because they give us tomorrow's headlines today. Here he goes. Isaiah, I believe he was watching it. I believe he saw this. He says, Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste, distorts its surface and scatters abroad its inhabitants. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest. As with the servant, so with his master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the creditor, so with the debtor. He goes, the Lord is going to disfigure the face of the earth and it's going to affect every single walk of life. The land shall be entirely emptied and utterly plundered. For the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades fades away. The haughty people of the earth languish. The earth is also defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore the curse has devoured the earth and those who dwell in it are desolate Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men are left. Whoa. That's the Bible. And what we've got to make sure we don't do is play uh, Bible buffet and just totally stay away from verses like this. This verse is a legitimate prophetic verse that needs to be paid attention to. The earth, I want to say this to you, has never been burned up in such a fashion that few men are left. Therefore, this prophetic word is unfulfilled and coming to a planet near you. No, really. This is a pervasive thing the Lord is going to release. It's called the Day of the Lord Judgments. It's going to release it across the nations. It's going to touch every facet of every society. Every walk of life is going to be affected until fire is released across the globe and the, and the uh, actual number of people that are alive at the Lord's return are going to be comparably small. This is after. This, what he's doing is he's giving us the summary statement of what happens in the book of Revelation. From from chapter six to chapter 19. He's giving us six verses that John saw in detail in chapter six through nineteen, the book of Revelation. That's what Isaiah is unpacking for us. This is a future reality. This is going to happen on the earth. Most of us we would prefer not to even know about this, especially in the West. We'd rather just have house, sun, and tree, air conditioning and uh, pizza on demand, things of this nature. Truth is painful, but truth sets you free. (laughs) It sets you free. Because you know what? This is truth. And all of a sudden, if the Lord's word declares this, then I don't have to worry about it being my word. It's his word. And I can boldly declare the truth of the scripture without regard to fear of men. See, I want to uh, please the Lord, not work for the praise of men. And so when I'm calling to forerunners and I'm saying, listen, there's something coming on the earth in very short order that's really, really intense that most of us, including myself, are pretty much unprepared for. When I'm calling to you, I can call to you boldly and say, we've got to get around the prophetic word and get around what the scriptures declare. And with a with a heart to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches, apply our hearts to the word and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us how we are to prepare our lives and how we are to prepare others. And in the house of prayer, that's what we are, a people Called to pray under the preparations for the coming of the Lord in the earth. And so this has got to be understood. The house of prayer. While we are uh, uh, going to be and we are a revival center, while we are a worship center, while we are a teaching center, while we are all those different things, a training center, Uh, uh, in some ways we'll be a sending center, the house of prayer is a greenhouse for forerunners to prepare the way of the Lord. This is what the Lord is going to do. Everybody wants Jesus to come as a revivalist. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming as the troubler of the nations. He's coming with seals and trumpets and bowls. Our Jesus, who we love, our bridegroom Jesus, who we love, is coming as a judge to avenge his defrauded bride. Really? And this is a point that we cannot, you know, sort of sweep away, sweep under the rug or or act like it's not real. There's a little bit of a movement right now in the the body of Christ to act like Jesus the judge doesn't exist, only Jesus the bridegroom, Jesus the revivalist. Jesus the bridegroom is Jesus the king who is the revivalist, who is Jesus the judge. He's the same guy. He's the one that you said yes to and gave your life to, and he's coming, and he's coming with a fiery vengeance to devour the adversaries, the scripture says, forerunners of Go ahead and embrace this point and partner with him in his activity in the earth. Now, here's what's going to happen Isaiah 24 lays it out. He says the reason why the Lord is going to do this and and why that the earth is going to be devoured, well, it's because they've transgressed. Because of the sin of the people, they've polluted the earth. The pollution of sin, you've got to hear me. The pollution of sin that continues to grow and grow and grow in the earth, it must be dealt with. It must be dealt with. The Lord is not going to let things like the injustice of slaughtering 50 million babies in the womb over the last 35 years in our nation, He's not going to just let that injustice just go. He's going to demand a recompense. And because mankind won't repent and take the blood of Christ as the recompense, he's going to require it at their own hand. This is reality. This is reality. Now here's the thing. As a mercy stroke... Sometimes I just can't believe God, the kindness of the Lord. What what I mean is, I believe it, but it's so incredible, it just shocks me. As a mercy stroke, what the Lord has seen fit to do is to raise up a global prayer and worship movement who will cry out for mercy as a buffer to the judgments. Now, ultimately... That global prayer, and mercy, mercy, uh, the global prayer and worship movement crying out for mercy is going to come right in line with his heart. And the greatest mercy that will be released on the earth is going to be the judgments of the Lord. Which Isaiah tells us right here in 24 through 27. He says, when the judgments of the Lord are released on the earth, then the people learn righteousness. Whoa. Yes, sometimes the best thing God can do is kind of pop you. Wake you up. Sometimes the only thing you can do for the drunk guy is take his head and plunge it in the ice water. A rude awakening. And the Lord says the inhabitants of the earth will learn righteousness when the judgments of the Lord are in the earth. And so the Lord is raising up across the earth as a mercy stroke, a prayer and worship movement that will cry out for mercy, that will cry out for revival, but will ultimately partner with his heart as the judge of the nations. Beloved, that's what this is about. Let me give you a hint. This is not our plan for a church growth strategy. I don't care about church growth strategies. I want to please the Lord. I don't really care about the praise of men. I want to please the Lord. I've got a job review coming, it's called the judgment seat of Christ, not one of you will stand there and give me your assessment of my life. And no one, no human will stand over your life and give an assessment either. Only the Lord Jesus. So, how crazy as it seems, all I cared about before, uh, before I, you know, the Lord began to, to do crazy prophetic things with me and, and pull me into the prayer movement, all I cared about was revival. And basically, I thought if anybody preached judgment, they were just off. Then I decided to read my Bible, and I found out, wow, there is so much prophecy here that's unfulfilled, that's yet to come to pass, that the Lord would have to, he'd have to rip pages out of the scripture if, you know and throw away there's so many verses that declare that the lord is going to release judgment across the nations in fact when jesus comes haggai 2 we love the verse he's going to shake everything that can be shaken people love that verse nice little chorus it's kind of kind of catchy if you sing it right we love that he's going to shake everything that can be shaken and then it goes on and goes and he's going to overthrow the thrones of all nations we don't really sing that part of the verse the same Jesus. So he raises up a prayer movement as a mercy stroke to cry out for revival. And what he has put in there is there's a massive harvest coming, a Gentile harvest. There's going to be a global prayer movement that's going to see a Gentile harvest birthed into the kingdom unto all Israel getting saved. And that will be uh, in the midst of massive judgment events hitting the planet. They all work together. The ingredients all come together. And when you read Isaiah 24-25, through you go, oh my gosh, he's seeing all of it. He's seeing the prayer movement. He's seeing the, the move of the spirit. He's seeing the judgment events. He's seeing the return of the Lord. He actually sees Satan get thrown into, into the lake of fire. And 27, Leviathan, the twisting thir- serpent who gets punished by the Lord. He sees all of it. And he puts it in one nice little package. Well, what I want to draw your attention to is Verse 14. We get it. There is judgment coming. I want you to get that point clear. Now look at this though. Look at verse 14. Isaiah gets a change of scenery. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud. In the the New King James it says from the sea. But the New American Standard and the NIV say, from the West. From the West. And I studied that word. I went and looked it up, and and it's from the West. Therefore, it should be from the West. Even the commentators, they agree, from the West. Therefore, now, now look at it. They shall lift up their voice, they shall sing. For the majesty of the Lord, they shall cry aloud from the west. Therefore glorify the Lord. The NKJV says in the dawning light, it should be from the east. Now there's often times in the Old Testament when it says from the rising of the sun to its going down. And and that's just trying to give a broader spectrum. It's trying to say across all the earth, from the rising of the sun, from from the east to the west. But here, the commentators say, no, he's actually giving directions on the compass. He's actually speaking of specific places. He's actually pointing to the west and to the east. And here's what he says. Here's what Isaiah is saying. In the midst of all this tumult that's going to lay the earth bare, in the midst of the judgments of the Lord pounding the planet, in the west there is going to be a people who lift their voices and sing because of the majesty of the Lord. In the West, there's gonna be a, a singing people, a singing bride who will cry out because of the beauty of God. And those people in the West are gonna cause the people in the East. It says, therefore, in the East, you glorify the Lord. In other words, he's laying it out this way, that in the West, there seems to be a prayer movement, a singing prayer movement that's going to cause the people in the East to turn to the Lord and glorify the Lord. Now, what's an interesting point about this is this, it goes on, verse 16, from the ends of the earth, we've heard songs, glory to the righteous one. And so he's giving us the third tier of it. There's a singing, praying movement happening in the West. There is a response of glorifying the Lord in the East unto this that across the globe there's a new song being sang, and it's glory to the righteous one across the nations of the earth. And what is this a picture of? It's the same picture that Isaiah gives us in chapter 62. It's the same picture that Malachi gives us in chapter 1. There is a Gentile prayer movement with singing. It's what Isaiah gives us in chapter 42. There is a singing prayer movement in the West. Now, what's interesting, I I went over to the map. I said, okay, let me me just do this right. Jerusalem. I'm going to go west. That's left. I went due west. You hit Tunisia, you hit Morocco, you hit Libya, and then you're in the Atlantic Ocean. Do you know what happens if you keep going due west? You hit Georgia. No, really, you hit the state of Georgia. We're on the exact same latitude, is that right, latitude? Yeah, latitude as Jerusalem. Now I know. I was just, I was going to work, you know, if it was just sort of west, northwest, I'd have been fine. Southwest, it'd be great. It is due west. The brothers in Macon, they got something to shout about. They don't even know it yet. They're literally due west of Jerusalem. And so I, I was like, Lord, is this possible? Are you speaking of a prayer movement in the States? Are you speaking of a prayer movement that's in the far west could it be? And I looked up some scholars and I was like, is there any scholarship on this? And some scholars look at this and they think that the Lord could be speaking of far lands, farther west, not just the lands of the west that are in the Mediterranean because if you go directly west, you hit the Mediterranean. But several scholars think it's, it's far western lands that the Lord is speaking of here in Isaiah 24. Now here's the thing. There's a lot of people that want to try to read the United States into scripture. You know, in Revelation in, a, in, in chapter 12, they see the, the wings of the great eagle that, that helped the woman, and they go, see, that's America. We all know that eagles represent the United States and no other country. And, and that, w- that would be, in my opinion, really forcing the issue. I don't think that you can just say, well, there's an eagle, therefore it's the United States. But here's what I, here's what I find. You don't really see the United States in the end time picture it's amazing to me the nation that's number one economically right now as time is dwindling down the number one economic nation it's not even in the game plan i'll give you my opinion i think the lord is about to readjust the global economic scale And I think the United States is going to find itself down the list. Now we go, oh, no, no more direct TV. But the Lord goes, listen, listen, little buddies. I am starting a singing prayer movement. And I want to get you out of the crosshairs. See, if, let's just imagine that, that Antichrist arose in 15 years and came on the scene, the the international scene in the United States. Let's just imagine they were still number one in 15 or 20 years. And, and, And where do you think that Antichrist might concentrate his force, the place where he would get the most economics probably, right? But if the Lord were to adjust the economic scale to sort of get the eye of the enemy off of the United States, to leave us out of the narrative... And then just put little hint scriptures in here like from the West they're gonna sing. From the West they're gonna shout. Then the margin for what gets to happen in the West, it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's wide open. Anything could happen. Now, does it at all, does it at all boggle your mind that the singing, worship, and prayer movement that God has begun in the earth is started in the United States? But does it freak you out at all that we're doing it too? You guys just heard Mike, he said, in all the earth. He goes, as far as I know, in all the earth, you guys are the only place that's doing live worship and prayer 24 hours a day. He goes, and for five years, he goes, You're the only place I know of in all the earth that's doing it. So worship-led prayer meetings. Worship-led prayer meetings. He said, they shall lift up their voice and they shall sing. For the majesty of the Lord, they shall cry aloud from the west. Now, I'm, I've believed a lot of crazy things, which has gotten me here. But I am just crazy enough to believe that Isaiah 24 is broad enough that it could be talking about the worship and prayer movement in the United States. I really believe that. We're the only, we're the only people doing it in the earth, but the Lord is clear that they are going to cry aloud and sing in the West. Therefore, the East should glorify the Lord. And I believe that's talking about a massive revival through the 1040 window. I think it's talking about a massive Muslim revival that's going to sweep the nations of the earth. The singing, shouting prayer movement from the west is going to release bombs in the Spirit. It's going to touch down in the east. They're going to glorify the Lord in the east. And, beloved, then the whole earth is going to be filled with another song. It's the new song from Isaiah 42. And that new song is, Glory to the Righteous One. Now, look at this. Flip over Isaiah 42. I was sharing today that the Lord got me into this because of a vision for revival. And I want revival in this city like nobody's business. I want a move of the Spirit. But every time that I would go somewhere, as the Lord was speaking prophetically through people to me, they would say, it's so much bigger than you can imagine. It's so much bigger than you can imagine. And I shared today that in in one of the... Uh, and, and one weekend I was in Dallas and three different people came up to me and they all prophesied to me. What you're about to do is the Lord, you need to go do it. This is before I'd even uh, moved to Kansas City or anything. What you, you're, I knew I was gonna plan a house of prayer. That was all. I didn't know anything else. And they said, what you're about to do, you need to go for it. And you need to know this, it's so much bigger than you can imagine. And I was thinking, well, I can imagine a lot. I just didn't have any I had had a big imagination for revival, but I had no picture of the Lord coming, the Lord returning, and the Lord ruling the globe. I had no picture of the kingdom of God actually coming and invading every facet of every society with Jesus at the head, Jesus ruling the nations from Jerusalem. That's way bigger than I can imagine. (laughs) Way bigger. And the Lord is actually raising up a prayer movement to instigate that to instigate the return of the Lord, to instigate the season of judgment, to instigate the season of revival, to instigate the Lord coming to the, to the nations and coming to Jerusalem. He's raising a prayer movement to make that happen. And, and what he's gonna use throughout the earth is the new song. From the ends of the earth, he says in Isaiah twenty four sixteen. from the ends of the earth, we've heard songs, glory to the righteous one. Now look at this. Isaiah 42, verse 10. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise where? From the ends of the earth. Does that sound exactly like Isaiah 24, 16? From the ends of the earth, we've heard songs. You go down in the sea and all that is in it, you coastlands and you inhabitants of them, let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voice, the villages that Kedar inhabits. Let the inhabitants of Selah sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. Look at what the Lord says in verse 14. I have held my peace a long time. I have been still and restrained myself. Now I will cry like a woman in labor. I will pant and gasp at once. I will lay waste the mountains and the hills and dry up the vegetation and make the rivers coastlands and dry up the pools. And he goes on. He talks about the, the, the restoration of Israel. He goes, I'm going to come and lay waste to the earth and restore Israel's fortune. And he's going to do it when he hears the new song. There's something that is going to uncork in the heart of the Lord when songs cover the earth. <laughs> We're going to sing songs. And the Lord, there's like a tremor that's going to explode. It's going to turn into a volcano and explode in him. He goes, I have been silent and kept my peace a long time. Not anymore. Because I am going to pant and gasp aloud like a woman in labor. Labor. Oh my gosh, I've been in the delivery room four times. No, really, you ladies, that's another level. The Lord compares the zeal and the ferocity that he's gonna visit the earth with with the same ferocity that grips a woman when she's in labor. Oh my goodness, beloved, This whole thing goes back to Isaiah 24. The singing of the song in the west. The glorifying of the Lord in the east. Till all the earth is covered in the new song. Until the Lord returns. Clothed with zeal as a cloak. And I go, okay, these things. Here's how I do the math. I go, man, these things are too big. These things are too big. And the little voice of practicality begins to speak to me. You know, just be practical, Billy. Tell them, tell them three things that are going to help them to get through the week. Be practical. Don't talk about end-time judgments. Don't talk about greenhouses for forerunners preparing the way. Don't talk about the Lord panning and gasping like a woman in labor. Help them just to balance their checkbook. well it truly might be somebody's calling to help people balance their checkbooks really there's a lot of balancing of checkbooks that we need help with that's not my calling my calling is to be to see forerunners raised up in a house of prayer my calling is to have a, I have a mandate for night and day prayer a lampstand that would burn as a light to the nations my calling is to raise up a forerunner people who will sing songs in the west That's my calling to raise up a forerunner people who will lay down their lives to sing songs in the West, to shout for the beauty of the Lord, unto this that in the East they're going to glorify the Lord. I am believing for a radical harvest of souls that's going to sweep through the 1040 window. Yeah, that's my calling. And you, I don't know, you're here listening. You know, it's Monday night at 9.30. He didn't leave yet. Here's what I think. I think the Lord, he, he wants to call us again to the epic story. No, to the epic story. To the thing that's way bigger than you. You know what? Because I don't want to be involved in something that's so much smaller than me that I could do it in my sleep. I want to be involved in something that's so far over my head that I weep because there's no way this could happen unless God did it. I want to be involved in a story that's so colossal that the only way it's going to happen is grace, grace. That's what I want to be in. And I look at this and I go, five years, Lord, I have no idea how this happened. And the Lord goes, I do. He goes, I'm holding my peace. Until the new song covers the globe. And what's going to happen is there's got to be a people in the West that are going to sing. And he goes, and I'm zealous for Zion with great zeal. So I'm taking little old you and you're leading little old them. So you guys can pray little old 24-7 and sing songs until the new song. Until the, they glorify the Lord in the, in the East and the new song covers the globe. And the Lord comes like a mighty man. Beloved, this is our story. This is our story. This is our story. I, I want you to be able to get through day to day and week to week, but I tell you, you'll never be able to live day to day and week to week purposely unless you have a picture of the grand scheme. Let's see if you have a picture of the end of the age and the age to come. Your day to day doesn't make any sense. Oh, it makes no sense to live day to day without a picture of what's coming. Oh, man, I want to shout it. I want to sing songs of his beauty. Oh, Lord, I, I want to glorify you in the, in the West. Because I believe you're going to use songs and prayers and shouts To cause something to erupt across the globe like a tidal wave. A symphony of music and sound and voices. A symphony crying out in unison, glory to the righteous one. Man, And when he hears it, oh beloved, he's coming like a mighty man. (sighs) See yourself in the grand scheme. See yourself in the epic story. You were made for the epic story. You're going to marry deity. Think about it. It doesn't get any crazier than that. You're going to marry deity. See yourself in the epic story. We're all part of it. And the Lord is releasing it here. He's releasing the song. He's releasing the shout. He's releasing the prayer in the West. I believe that's our portion. (sighs) Amen. Let's stand.